Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year. And each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. Hi, everybody. Happy Father's Day to everyone out there who celebrates. I hope you all have a wonderful day. We do have a new show coming soon called Dads Don't Have Time To, but I'm not going to spoil any surprises about that now. I hope you all have a really great day. The episode for today is about Jeff Hoffman's book called Other People's Children, a novel. Jeff quit a perfectly good IT job in IT consulting at the age of 47 to return to school to get his MFA in fiction. He enrolled at Columbia College, Chicago, with a cohort comprised of students closer to his children's age than his own. Jeff had started turning one of his short stories into a novel when it won the Madison Review's 2018 Chris O'Malley Prize in fiction. A few weeks after he graduated, Simon & Schuster bought Other People's Children. Jeff lives in Elmhurst, Illinois, with his wife and two children, and I hope you enjoy our episode. Happy Father's Day. 
Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss other people's children. Thank you, Zibby. It's very exciting to be here. And uh, I know I was just mentioning to you, I have your hardback, but I've seen your amazing paperback and the new design, and it's very cool. And I really want to talk to you about, I I mean, I I kind of love the idea that paperbacks let you rebrand a book altogether, right? Right. I mean, how how involved were you in the two different covers? And then I want to talk about the book itself. You know, I was was involved in in both. The paperback cover was actually one of the choices that was considered for the the hardback. And was the the one that I lobbied for, but you know the Simon Schuster chose the uh, the the cover that they chose, and, and I just love the the paperback version of it because it it really prepares the reader for what they're they're going to read as as part of the story. So you know I, I feel that the the hardback you know kind of presents it as a, a love story to a certain degree, and. It really, for, for me, it's a story about, you know, busted expectations and a, a story of, of, of literary suspense and or domestic suspense. And, and so I think the, the paperback just, you know, presents that more or, or better and, and allows the reader to expect things more accurately. And could you tell listeners now what, what the book is about? And then I want to ask sure. you some other stuff. Sure. So uh, Gail and John Durbin, they're 30 somethings living in downtown Chicago and they, they move to the suburbs when Gail first becomes pregnant, and she miscarries three times before they, they turn to adoption to build a family. Uh, Carly Brennan is a, you know, a struggling teenager. Uh, she's pregnant, and she uh, uh, chooses to place her, her baby uh, for adoption and chooses the Durbins. And um, she feels like she's made the right decision until her domineering mother you know, embarks upon a campaign to change that decision. And... The Durbins bring Maya home and fall in love with her and start to mend their fractured marriage. And And they have her home for about four days when they learn that Carly has chosen to reclaim her baby, which she has every right to do. And the Durbins, rather than giving the baby back, decide to run and they disappear. I love how in fiction you can just live out like what if we just did this what like, if what, right what would happen <laughs> right like i'm not really gonna do it but if what right. i mean you know how would i do it yeah i, yeah, I, I was in a book club and some some of the people were saying i'm not sure i i, I i'm not sure i'm buying that this family would run and one of the women in the book club said well i was in this exact same situation and in california you have a year to reclaim your baby and you're <sighs> in california and, and she said we had talked you know, there was for a while I was on the edge and we had talked about what are we going to do? Are we going to stay? Are we going to go? And so, uh, you know, it's, it's something that people really face. Well, people will do all sorts of things for their sure. children. And I think the line of when it becomes your child or not is right. very blurry, which you yeah. call attention to. It's like yeah. one of the main things, you know, so on the cover, on the, the last thing about the covers on the hardback, it says RJ Hoffman and you made the decision on the paperback to say Jeff. And I know there was some, not controversy, but some people didn't appreciate the fact that you were a man writing from women's points of view, which is ridiculous. And especially because John has many chapters of his own yeah. in here. So mm-hmm. he's just one of many. And then he wrote this amazing article at Fiction Be Fiction about sort of the right to decide what you can write about and who should write it and what stories you can tell, which I just thought was amazing. I mean, so true and so important. And yeah. So tell me, tell me about both you coming out as like the male author here on this book (laughs) and that decision and all. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the, the, 
the decision to go with initials was Simon Schuster's along with the, the cover. So my my mother's still a little angry about that. I'm happy, happy <laughs> to see how things turned out with the paperback. And and you know they they put my picture on the cover, right? Um, so it wasn't we, we didn't hide the fact that I was a man or you know the the correct pronouns were used in the in the bio and all that. But I think they chose not to lead with that because it is. It's a story of uh, it's a story of families. It's a story of, of mothers. Um, I certainly didn't set out to to write a story about mothers. Actually, the the uh, the short story that this was based upon was from John John's point of view um, entirely. And um, but then you know when I when I started telling Carly's side of the story, and she was a you know a birth mother, right? You can't the, the birth father was gone. The it really became it shifted from John and Gail's story to Gail and Carly's story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so you, you there is a more representation. And you know, when I wrote that that PW piece, I you know, I, I should say that I'm I was real careful to distinguish between cultural appropriation. Yes, and, you were. And writing from a different gender, right? And I, I value a lot of a ton of the books that have, have come from the own voices movement. And I certainly don't mean to, to say you can write whatever you want and say whatever you want about yourself. But, but I, I love the, you know, I, I, you know, one of my favorite books from the last few years was Fleischman is in trouble. Um, so good. And, you know, uh, that that's written from a, a, a man's point of view kind of wrapped in a woman's point of view, but if it's a man, it's a man's point of view that's being told from and written by a woman. And I just, she nailed it, right? She just killed it. And um, that made the book better for me. So I, you know, I, I think that it's, it's a conversation that our, our culture will continue to have and, and happy to participate in. And I'm just terribly excited that my book got published. So There's another book. I don't know if you've read it called What is Missing about infertility and a father and a son. You should read that. Uh, okay. It raises some of the same questions and is written by a man, mostly okay. about from women's point of view. It's really beautiful. But anyway, same same type of thing that also has like a little triangle situation. But anyway, but your article too, I mean, you shared a lot. And can I just like quote from your article if I can sure. find it? If I can even read it. Let me get my glasses <laughs> on my, my middle-aged tokens here. Okay, so let me just jump to this. You said, was it my story to tell? I could, well, let me start, let me back up and make it a little bit better. Um, I'm probably not the first new writer. Oh, that was funny that you're reading all your reviews. Some of the most impactful characters in the book are women. And the assumption that I was also a woman suggested that I had succeeded at some level in writing those characters well. My favorite reviews remain those that refer to me with female pronouns. I was troubled, though, by the reviewers who found it problematic that a man wrote the book. Other People's Children tells the story of a couple who, after struggling with infertility, adopt a baby girl. The birth mother decides to reclaim her child after four days, and the adoptive parents choose to run rather than return the baby. Was it my story to tell? I could tell you about the moment I first laid eyes on my own adopted children. I could tell you about the fierce love that hit me like waking from a deep sleep into a bright light. I could tell you that the book for me is about shattered expectations and the pain of separation from a child. I could tell you that my daughter was living in a residential treatment center while I wrote it, struggling with mood disorders layered atop autism. And I could tell you about all the expectations that experience shattered for me. I could tell you that although other people's children is not my family story, our story litters the margins of the book. Oh, that's really beautiful. Well, thank you. Talk to me about sharing your own feelings, but channeling it through other people and how fiction serves as such a great receptacle of that. Um, And maybe touch on your own experience, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. You know, my my daughter will 
<laughs> we'll talk about it as much as I will. I, I've, I'm careful when I talk about that experience to to try to you know talk about what I went through because that's that's a part of it that I own, right? That um, there's part of it that my daughter owns that, that um, is her story to tell when she chooses to tell it. The uh, when, when she, but she, when she was 13 or 12 or 13, when you know, kind of puberty hit, she has always had autism and and. Bipolar disorder got layered upon upon that, which is a can be a, a tough combination. And it was a violent year for our family, where a lot a lot of bad things happened before, you know, with multiple hospitalizations and self harm and violence. And, and you know, before we made the heart wrenching choice, and she was part of that choice, enrolling her in the residential treatment center. So when. Uh, and it was the toughest decision, the, the toughest time I've ever been through, right? And as I was going through my, I, I quit my job at 47 to go get an MFA. And that was during the time that my daughter was gone. And so I, I my first semester, I, I wrote I wrote a bunch of short stories. And I, I went there knowing I wanted to write a novel, right? That was the thing. And... I wrote a bunch of short stories and, and gosh, I looked at them at the end of the semester to choose a novel out of, from one of them. And lo and behold, I, every single one of them had this distance between a parent and a child. Right. And I said, well, I guess that's, I guess that's the theme that we're going to attack here. And then I chose the one that, that um, drew me the most. Again, my, my children are adopted, but they, we didn't go through this adoption story. And for me, this is about, you know, you, you go into life, you go into adulthood, I should say, thinking with all kinds of expectations, everybody does, about what you, what's going to be available to you, what's going to be available to your children, um, uh, you know, with happiness and opportunities and, and being free from struggle. And then, you know, it happens to all of us um, at some point and at some level that those expectations are, are not met. And mm-hmm. this is, for me, the book was about what, how do people react and What's the, how, how do people react when they're met with the, sh- the shattered expectations and what do they, what do they do about it and how to, the, how do they treat others when, when that happens? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have you found that a lot of people are reaching out to you as a result of your story to share their own experience? I, I have. And, you know, I hope that's what comes out of it, right? That, you know, people are able to, you know, see that what they, what they see on Facebook every day isn't what everybody experiences. And last, last summer, I, my daughter had a rough year last year. She's doing much, she's been home for, since the beginning of COVID. So there, there's, you know, if, if you end it right now, there's a happy ending. Um, it's all how you frame the ending, right? She, but she had a rough year last year and, and um, we were going through a bunch of med changes and we were, we were out at our lake house and I took a picture of a beautiful sunset and I posted it to Facebook and I said, it's really idyllic, isn't it? I said, yeah, my daughter and I are at the lake, you know, trying to survive some, some medication changes after a, a hospitalization for, for mental illness. And, and I hope that helps somebody else out there that is scrolling through everybody's graduation pictures and prom pictures and, and understanding that, you know, it's not like that for everybody. And a lot of people responded to that. And because everybody goes through stuff, right? And it's, it's you know, so easy to, to you know, present that, that beautiful side of things rather than the true side of things. But then you miss out on all human connection. <laughs> right, you get, right. you're, then you're like completely as, you know, on the surface of the water as if, you know, there was nothing yeah. down below. So yeah, yeah, you could do it, but yeah. what a loss that would be. I mean, there's also when you have a child with a, a, a future that's not as you predicted, you also yeah. have that sense of loss. Like you are grieving something that you thought was happening, something that you had assumed would be the case. And then you have to not only confront the challenge of the everyday, but let go of what you thought. Yeah. And that's a loss. I mean, that's also like, I feel like people go through a lot of the grief response in addition, but they don't know that. And they, so they beat themselves up or they're like, why am I angry? Or why am I denying it? Or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I every, think there is some application of that. And, and everybody deals with it in different ways. I know when my daughter was younger, uh, and it was just autism we were dealing with. Those were the, those were the days, right? Oh. But <laughs> my wife would, uh, you know, she would align all the therapies and do all, buy all the toys and re- get all the books. And, and, and she dealt with it differently. I, not, I said, just stop and enjoy the moment. Right. And, and live in the moment. She said, I hate your optimism. And I said, yeah. it's not optimism. It's pessimism. It's going to get a lot worse. Right? <laughs> so we got to enjoy right now. But I, I, I say that to speak to, you know, different ways of, of dealing, but it's also, you know, the, with, with my, I, I have great empathy for the struggles that my daughter goes through, but she brings something to our family that no one else brings. And, you know, she brings a very, very different way of looking at the world that makes me laugh twice a day and three times a day. And, and so that, that diversity in a, in a very specific and metaphorical ways is you know, definitely made our family richer. Can you go back for a second to the decision to quit your job at 47 and get an MFA? <laughs> you just kind of like glided right past that. <laughs> okay. So what were you doing before? How long did you want to be a writer and didn't do it professionally? Were you doing it on the side? Like, give me that whole yeah. story. So, yeah. So I, I, I was born, uh, I, I, my, my parent, my, my father was a, a 
a, uh, a high school teacher um, and my mom was a dental hygienist. So, you know, when, when I was growing up and, and the, the funny thing is they, our TV broke when I was like second grade and they didn't replace it until we all hit the honor roll in the same quarter. And that wow. took like two years. And so back then there was nothing to do but read, right? So I read and that's where kind of when I fell in love with it. And um, but when I went to college, I got a finance degree and I, because I went to a mediocre college, I, <laughs> I went into IT because you couldn't get a finance job. And so, so I, I started a company with about two grand from my parents and started a company with a, a, a friend from college and, and we were worked hard enough and we're lucky enough to be successful with it. We sold it and we, you know, four, four years later, we bought another one, grew that, sold it. And so I, you know, I kind of, I would say I kind of earned, you know, I, I was lucky to have the opportunity to, to do that, but, you know, at the same time earned it. And she, the, I had written between those two companies for about a year and a half. I wrote, you know, two books that'll never see the right of, the light of day for very good reason. And then um, decided, Hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm almost 50, you know, always doesn't last forever. I've always wanted to do this. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to school. And I, it was funny. I told everybody at work, of course, cause I stopped showing up. Um, but, <laughs> but I, uh, I didn't tell any of my friends back in Elmhurst, the novel set in Elmhurst, that's where I live. And I, my rule was that I wouldn't lie. Like when somebody asked me how's work, I would say, well, actually I'm going back to school and they say, Oh, MBA. And I'm like, well, kind of, <laughs> not really though. And then they, after I told them what I was doing, they'd just kind of stare at me for a long moment and then walk away or, you know, or else tell me about the novel that they were planning to write someday. So then I went back to school with a bunch of 20, 30 year olds. There was actually a, a retired woman uh, who uh, helped me, you know, feel part of the senior cohort. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was great. I, I, when I went through undergrad, I did the bare minimum to get A's and B's and didn't learn much other than how to deal with people and uh, which was a really important thing in the end. Um, and, but when I went back to my, from my MFA, I, I knew how valuable this time was. And I knew, you know, after working so hard over the last three decades, I, I, I knew that this was my shot to do this thing that was really important to me. So I, I, I spent 60 hours a week, either writing a novel or working on schoolwork. And I, wow. So I really treated it as a job and got got way more out of it than I would have if I did it when I was 24. And it was just trying to get my MFA. I didn't really care if I got an MFA. I wanted a novel out of the deal. Wow. So how soon after you graduated did you write the novel and sell it? So the, the novel, I started writing my the end of my first semester. So I finished it. Uh, it took five semesters to finish, and, and I finished it at the beginning of my last semester and started submitting it. And the Harvey Klinger, my agent, mm -hmm. he, I, I got about seven folks to read it. And I did the, the cool, the cool thing for me, the thing that might maybe exciting for other writers is I kind of went through the front door. I just sent things to people in New York. I, I knew zero people in New York and, and sent it out to 45 agents and, and, Harvey was one that replied and he said, Hey, I really like it, but you need to change all these things. And so I spent two months rewriting it as I was, you know, hoping another agent would make me not rewrite it. And, <laughs> um, they, they all rejected it. And I, I resubmitted to Harvey and, and he signed me up the first week of January. And by the second week of January, it sold at the Simon and Schuster. Oh my gosh. So, I was like, what? That was like, 
my, my daughter was in, she was still in, in the RTC at the time. I was driving her home for a weekend visit and when Harvey called and I reacted in a way that you can only imagine. And and she said, this, this is the happiest I've ever seen you. Is this the happiest day of your life? And, and I said, I said, yes. And then I had the common sense to dad, <laughs> dad, except for the day I buried your mother and the day that I adopted you and your brother. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. That so is a great, I love that story. That's such a wonderful success story. I love it. Actually, my, when I graduated from business school, I tried to write a novel. I mean, I did write, I wrote a memoir that made it a novel that I made. And I worked on it for like, whatever. Anyway, that was my agent. My agent was Sarah Krim, but she worked with Harvey Klinger. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But they didn't sell my book, which okay. is a, they should, which I understand now in retrospect. <laughs> I understand on my first two as well. Yeah. I never should have, you know, if there's one piece of advice, I feel like everybody needs to hear. It's like, you must have two finished novels tucked away somewhere in your house. When you were saying that, I was like, I should design like a, like a three novel, like storage file cabinet so that people know they need to fill up the first and second one before they have the third one they can submit. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's okay. It's not, you're it, not supposed it, to sell the first one. It takes more than 85,000 words. It takes about, you know, 750,000 words to get the oh, word. No, don't say that. I, that's, that's literally like so overwhelming. It makes me want to like never type again. Oh my goodness. 750,000 words. Oh my gosh. Well, it shows that it can happen when you're ready. You know, it, it, you know that that's the fun thing. And I, I was old enough. I was 51 when, or 50, I think, when I I, I sold it. And I, I, you know, I was just giddy. I couldn't sleep for it. Like I, I slept for like three hours that week just because I, I would Aww. wake up and I'd say, "I have a novel. I'm going to have a novel." That and I told my wife at the time, "I'm like, you know, I, I'm old enough to realize that now is the best part." Right. It's unsullied by whatever everybody else thinks and, you know, sales numbers and reviews and all that stuff. It's like I've, I've done that thing and and you know, the, the rest will be fun in its own way. But just I've had goosebumps like four times, as you've been telling me. <laughs> they just keep like going me up too. and down. It's, it's, it's so exciting. And yeah. What do you think it is? I mean, I feel the same way as you. I know every like so many authors do. Like, I feel like there is no greater thing than like selling something you've been working on, right? Like getting that, is it the validate? Like, I, I mean, I literally can't explain as you, I mean, as you felt like there's nothing better, but why? Like, I don't know. Why is it such a big deal for writers? Like, why do we get so excited? <laughs> you, is it, right. that, yeah, is it like, that we need the validation so badly or is it that... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Because I, I mean, I spent the rest of my career selling stuff, right? Right, um, like there are other accomplishments. IT services, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and those weren't nearly as fun. <laughs> selling companies was kind of fun. But the, uh, but you know, I, I, for me, it was, it, it was the lottery ticket idea, right? I, mm-hmm. I was old enough to, to know that I was probably going to come out of my MFA with a book that would get rejected. And then I'd go back to do the next thing, right? And... I, I knew going in, I was not going to be successful, but I was going to take this shot. And um, so that's part of it. And, you know, part of it is that, that things move so slowly in publishing from short stories all the way through to, to agents, to novels, that this was one of those times where, where, you know, lightning struck. And, and the, I think the other part of it is that you put so much of yourself into the, into that novel that, I mean, you st- I see, I stared at that 
I had moved those words around for 2000 hours. Right. And on top of the, you know, four or 5,000 that I had already invested in trying to write. And, and with, you know, four people reading it, five people reading it and nobody else caring. <laughs> and, yeah. and so the, the, you know, the, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot at, at risk, at, at kind of emotional risk when you, yes. when you set aside time in the middle of your life to tell people that you're going to go write a novel and tell yourself that you're going to go write a novel. I love reducing it to, I moved words around. I moved words around. When you said I moved words around for 2000 hours, <laughs> like that's it. Just writing is just moving the words around. Yeah, that's yeah. all it is. It's just words. It. It's just words, words it's like in a word back. Little, little forklift, just like picking them up and putting them somewhere else or something like in the sand. <laughs> and so I heard you have a second novel coming out. What is that? I, actually, it's it's with my agent right now. So oh, it's with um, your agent. Okay, second novel yeah. written. Okay. Yeah, so and I started on my third. Uh, it's about four boys who eighteen year olds who get in a fight in a Burger King parking lot, as you know, eighteen year old boys do, and they they kill one one of the other boys and, and maim the the second. And that is not what eighteen year old boys usually do. And, but that but it's, <laughs> I, I would say, that in my experience, where I grew up. Yeah, I felt like is. every other weekend it was kind of uh, it's kind of on the edge of that, right? All right, okay. And you know everybody's seen that almost happen. I think yeah, okay. most eighteen-year-old boys have seen that almost happen, and so they, their friendship fell apart. They uh, don't see each other until they're fifty, and one of them dies, and um, they see each other at the funeral. And the the, the dead man's uh, wife happens to be a journalist and seems to know a few things, and all of them have you know kind of wrapped around that center is. Are, are stories in each of their lives about the kind of the rots that that happen is with the with the lies that they told and the withholding that they've done. And you know, one of them has buried himself in you know corporate law, and another ignored his family. Another is he become a, a uh, broker of torsos for uh, medical device companies, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, has a, f- a flawed relationship with his wife. And a third has a wonderful relationship with his wife and has gone into the trades, but he, his wife happens to be the, the prosecutor in the, in the county that they, they killed that boy. So um, things are complicated. Wow. Interesting. So I like it. And you're working on a third. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I'm doing right now. So I, I better you. get up at 7am and start writing. So that's why you were up early for this interview. I have to get my thousand words in. I have to get my thousand words in. I get it. <laughs> well, Jeff, thank you so much for chatting today. This was so fun. And thank you, Zibby. I feel like this sense of like pride in your work now, not proud, but like <laughs> I'm like invested in it. I like want to hear about the success. And it's, it's very exciting when you know more of the backstory to, to thank you. enjoy them. Anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> Thank you for being excited about it. I'm, I'm, I I still get goosebumps when I tell that story, and, and that's what you know keeps me coming back to the desk every morning. Thank you so much for spending the time this Thank morning. You. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 